Well, good morning, Lake Murray Baptist Church. Glad you have joined us online this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of 1 John. We'll be in chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 in just a moment. Uh, we are going to continue in our series, That You May Know, uh, which is a journey through the book or the letter of 1 John. And this Sunday is the beginning of kind of our Advent emphasis on this series. So we'll continue to go through 1 John over the next several Sundays, uh, but we uh, are, are going to kind of give it a, uh, an Advent emphasis, if you will. We're going to look at these passages of Scripture uh, in, in through the lens, really, of Advent and of the Christmas season. And so I look forward to being able to do this over the next few Sundays. Um, first of all, I, I want to take just a moment uh, to, to thank you, church family. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for um, just the love that you have shown me and my family as we have uh, welcomed uh, uh, Levi Bennett into our family uh, on October 18th. We have just been overwhelmed by the gifts and by the texts, by the meals that you have provided. Uh, you have shown tremendous love to our family and we are very thankful for that. Um, and, and, and as we think about love, uh, that really is gonna be the central theme of the passage that we look at this morning. And, and, and all throughout the letter of 1 John, John really has this as one of his big themes is, is love. Um, love for God, the love that God has for us, as we're going to see today, and then our love for others. Um, love is something that we could spend an entire sermon series on. And as we've seen in this letter, um, we, uh, we see that there are many commands uh, that have love as a part of those commands. And we'll see that this morning. Um, and yet, as we think about love, um, we don't have to look very far in our society to see that, that love is often misrepresented. Often it is misunderstood. And, and love oftentimes takes on many different expressions and meanings and ideas depending on who you ask. And we've even discussed some of this in our series thus far. And as I was studying this week, I, I ran across this study in the commentary by uh, Dr. Danny Aiken. Uh, he cites a group of uh, professionals who asked a group of four to eight-year-olds uh, the question, what does love mean? What does love mean? And I think you're going to find this uh, this morning quite humorous as we think about love, because I think sometimes we can uh, perhaps even get a better definition of what love is uh, when we ask kids. But I wanted to share some of these with you this morning. Chrissy, who is six years old, she said, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. Uh, Terry, who is four, said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny, who is seven, said, love is when mommy takes coffee for, makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. Bobby, who is five, says, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. I thought that one was good. Noel, who is seven, said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. May Ann said, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day long. Karen, who is seven, says, when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. And then finally, Jessica, who's seven, said, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. I love that last quote there because it is true that people do forget. We forget we need to be reminded of what love is. And this morning, as we look at this passage, I hope that we are reminded of some core truths about love. 
about Jesus, about God and his love for us. And many of these truths will not be new for us, but I pray that this morning, as we think about them in light of the Advent season, in light of Christmas, that we may be reminded of these in perhaps a fresh way. And so this morning, our main point, what I hope for us to see from 1 John chapter four, beginning in verse seven, going to verse 21, here's what I hope we see, is that followers of Jesus show a distinct love that only comes from God. Followers of Jesus show a distinct love that only comes from God. We're gonna see that if we claim to follow Jesus, that there is a distinct love that we are to show others. And this distinct love that, that, that we show others only comes from God, who is the originator. He is the source of true love. We're gonna see this morning that God is the source of true love and that as we receive this love, as it is displayed in Jesus through his life, death and resurrection, because of what Christ has done, those of us who have been saved and redeemed and bought with the blood of Jesus, that love now abides in us as his followers. And therefore, because the love of God is in us, we are then to show this distinct love to others. That's what I hope for us to see this morning as we look at 1 John. So follow along with me this morning. I want us to read the passage and then we're going to pull out three truths from the passage. It says this in 1 John beginning in verse 7. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This morning, I want us to see three truths about God's love. Three very simple truths about God's love. But as we've said, I pray this morning that these reminders of these truths that we probably know already would maybe um, help us to understand God's love in a fresh way. The first truth I hope for us to see this morning is that God's love is displayed in Christ. 
God's love is displayed in Christ. We see this truth in almost every verse of this passage that God's love is perfectly holy and finally displayed in the person and the work of Jesus. Look back with me at verse seven. It said, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. God is the originator of love. If we wanna know where love comes from, then we must look to God as the only perfect provider of love. And how is God the only perfect provider of love? Well, verse eight tells us this. It says, because God is love. It is in his very nature. This is who he is. He is love and therefore love flows from him. God is love. Love is from him. And so then the question becomes, how does he show us this love? And verse nine tells us that. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest or made known among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is what we celebrate at Christmas It is Advent. It is the coming of Jesus as our um, Advent devotional this year by John Piper is titled. It is the dawning of indestructible joy. It is the culmination of God's work in redemptive history. The arrival of Jesus into the world as the perfect display of love for fallen humanity. And then the question becomes, why is it good news that Jesus has come as a display of God's love. And and specifically, how does Jesus love us? How does God display his love through Jesus? And verse 10 tells us this, it says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Church, I want us to understand that God's act of salvation does not begin with us loving him, but him loving us and sending us his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Now that word propitiation is a big word right in the middle of these verses. And so I think it, 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 we need to take just a moment to kind of understand what does this word mean? I love the definition that Ligon Duncan gives for propitiation. He says that propitiation is averting the wrath of God by the offering of a gift averting the wrath of God by the offering of a gift. So when we say that Jesus is a propitiation for our sins, we are saying that the wrath of God that was due us because of our sins is now placed upon Jesus and thus it is averted away from us and placed on him. His sacrificial death on our behalf was the propitiation for our sins so that no longer do we have to fear the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon us because that punishment, that wrath has been placed upon Jesus and averted away from us. And church, this is good news. This is good news. We need not fear the wrath of God that is due us because of our sin. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has been given to us as a gift so that the wrath wrath of God can be turned away from us. Verse 14 goes on to build upon this idea when he says, and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. This is who Jesus was, the propitiation for our sins and the savior of the world. What great love this is from our father. As 14 tells us, he sent his son 
to be our savior. And in this, we know that God loves us, that he would send to us himself, that he would not leave us in our sin, that he would display his love towards us by providing us with himself, the one who is love and the one whom love comes through. And then verse 16 says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. In this passage, we clearly see God's love displayed for us in Christ. And if we wanna know what love is, if we wanna know what it looks like, if we wanna know what it acts like, then we must look to Christ. Which leads me to this question for you as we think about how this truth applies to our lives. I wanna ask you the question, where does your understanding of love come from? Where does your understanding of love come from? Because I think there's a lot of places that we can get our understanding of love. We can get our understanding of love from the world. And the world would tell us that love is simply an emotion. And it's something that comes and it goes. It's fleeting. It may be here today and gone tomorrow. We can also get our understanding of love from our own experiences. Perhaps in the past, you Um, have experienced or you've been given an improper understanding of love and it's hard for you to truly know and understand what love is because you've experienced something that has made it confusing. Many times people in our society will base their view and their understanding of love on what they've experienced in the past. But church, I want you to know that true love is only seen and experienced in Christ. It's only seen and experienced in Jesus. We need not look anywhere else for a definition and a display of love than what the Bible says. Because if we look anywhere else to try to understand what love truly is, if we try to piece it together in any other way, if we try to comprehend what love is apart from the truth of God's word, then we will always leave disappointed because it will be a love that falls short of the love that is shown to us in Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, what we are going to find is we're going to find a perfect love, a whole love, a sacrificial love. We see love that can only come from the originator of it and that is God himself. And so this Christmas, I wanna encourage you to always look to God who displays his love for us in Christ. Truth number two I want you to see is that God's love abides in the believer. God's love abides in the believer. John makes it abundantly clear throughout this letter and even more specifically here that if we claim to follow Jesus, then the love of God will abide in us. Now this word abide literally means from the Greek to take up residence in, to take up residence in. As I thought about this definition and I thought about Christmas, um, perhaps you at your house have hosted a Christmas gathering. And if you've ever hosted one of these gatherings, you know um, that, that they're fun, right? I mean, it's probably a lot of work to get ready for the gathering and, and, and then you have maybe some family, some friends over for a Christmas party, but there always comes a point where you think in your mind at some point in the night, this has been fun. I've enjoyed the food, I've enjoyed the company, I've enjoyed this fellowship, but it is time for these people to go. It is time for them to go. Um, Why do we get to this point? Because these people don't live in our house. They don't take up residence in our house, they're visitors. They come and then they go. 
But your family is different. Those who live in your house are different. They don't, they don't come and, and then leave and go back to their house. No, they live in your house. They take up residence in your house. And so they will always be there. And John wants us to understand that if we, if you are a believer, the love of God lives in you. It takes up residence in you. Everywhere you go, the love of God goes with you. The love of God is not some visitor into our hearts and our souls that just comes for a little while and then leaves. No, the spirit of God, as verse 13 tells us, has come to us, it has been given to us and now it dwells in us. And we can know if we abide in God, if we have been marked and sealed by the spirit. Verse 12 tells us this, it says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John wants us to know that that God abides in us as believers that his love is perfected when it comes to dwell inside of us. And then he elaborates in verses 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that the love God has for us, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. When you become a follower of Jesus and you turn from your sin and you turn towards Christ, what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Literally, as John says, God himself comes and lives inside of you, marking you as a follower of him. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us that the love of God has come to abide in us? I think there's kind of two thoughts that come to mind as we think about this truth. First, as a means of application for us, I think that the love of God abiding in us means that others should be able to know and see that you follow Jesus. Church, others should be able to know and to see that you follow Jesus. If God lives inside of you, then friends and family and neighbors, coworkers should be able to know that you are a Christian, that you follow Jesus, that you've been saved by him and thus you live differently. I mean, may it be so this Christmas season that followers of Jesus look upon this season with a different perspective, that our motivations are not consumeristic. They are not materialistic or self-serving, but rather we as followers of Christ are marked by the spirit of God in us. And thus we look at this season differently as an opportunity to remember who Christ is for our affections for Jesus to be stirred and to live sacrificially a life of love for those around us. This is what it means for the love of God to abide in us is that others see Jesus in us. I think it also means this. It also means that followers of Jesus need not live in fear. Followers of Jesus need not live in fear Look with me in verses 17 and 18. It says this in verse 17, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, that is God's love. It casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If God's love lives inside of you, then there is no reason to fear. We need not fear life or death. 
We need not fear what others think of us or what others say of us. We need not fear the day of judgment and we need not fear what tomorrow holds. Why? Because we know that God's love abides in us and thus we can have confidence of what lies ahead on the other side of eternity. This is what we celebrate at Advent, not just the first arrival of Jesus, but the second arrival of Jesus. And followers of Jesus need not fear that day of judgment that comes when Jesus comes back. Because we can stand in confidence in the salvation that Jesus has given us and we can sing with great joy and we can look forward with great hope to that day because of what Christ has done for us. He has come. He's dwelt among us and the Holy Spirit now lives within us, giving us great, great confidence. We need not live in fear. So God's love is displayed in Christ. God's love abides in the believer. And finally this morning, I want you to see that God's love is to be shared with others. God's love is to be shared with others. Verse seven says, beloved, let us love one another. That's the very first thing that that John says in this section of scripture. Let us love one another. Why? Love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 11 says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The natural overflow of God's love for us is love for others. We have seen this time and time again all throughout this letter But may we be reminded of it yet again this morning that the vertical love God pours down on us is to spill over into the horizontal relationships we have around us. And what is the motivation for this love? Look with me at the end of this passage in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. You've probably heard that before. Verse 20, it says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he, he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I'm sure you perhaps maybe have been on a mission trip in the past. And when you go on a mission trip, many times we, in the process of training, people will train you to, to, to respond to the question that people will ask, hey, why are you doing this act of service? Why is it that you're coming and you're repairing my house, that you're painting my house, that you're serving this meal? Why is it that you are doing this? And most often we are trained to say that God has shown his rich, his abundant love for us. And because he first loved us, we are to love others. And that includes you. It's a great thing to say to someone to say, God loves me. He showed it in Jesus and therefore I love you. Can I tell you about this Jesus that I know? You see, if God's love has gripped our hearts and gripped our souls, we cannot help but to tell others. And so my question for us as we close this morning is this very practical, very hopefully something that you can even do perhaps this week. My question is this, is who is it that you need to love this Advent season? Who is it that you need to love this Advent season? Perhaps it is a a family member that maybe you have grown estranged from. Perhaps it's a, a friend that maybe you have lost contact with. Maybe it's someone within our church that you know needs someone to tell them that they are loved. 
That's what John is referring to here when he says brother. He's first referring to those within the church that we should love our brothers and our sisters in Christ within the church. Perhaps there's somebody here at Lake Murray. You know they have gone through a tough year and they just need someone to reach out to them this Christmas season and say, I want you to know that I love you and Jesus loves you. Perhaps you need to, ha- to show an act of service to them, to love on them. Perhaps it's a coworker for you, someone who maybe has had a difficult time. Perhaps they have lost a loved one this year and you as, a, as an act of love towards them just need to call them. You need to reach out to them. You need to give them a gift and you need to perhaps even pray that God would use a gift that you would give them as a means to share the good news of Jesus so that you can have that very conversation and say, listen, God has shown his love to me and therefore I want to show it to you this Christmas season. God's love is displayed for us in Christ. And then it comes and it abides in us as followers of Jesus. And when the love of God abides in us, we cannot help but to live it out by loving our brothers and our sisters. Who is it that you need to love this Advent season? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this passage and thank you that John reminds us here of what we are to be and what we are to do as followers of Christ. That because you have shown your rich love towards us, you have given us grace, you have given us mercy that we do not deserve. Father, we now have the very spirit of God in us and that should result in us loving those around us. So Father, may we be a church, may we be a people who love those around us, who love because you first loved us. Father, that's who we want to be. That's who we want to be individually. And that's who we want to be as a church, is a church that loves others. Because you showed us the ultimate love in Jesus. We love you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.